not investing in your staff is the thing that causes them to leave. And so if you're not willing, if you're not willing to invest in the team, well, if your worst nightmare is going to come true. So there has to be a little bit of faith on, on the part of a business owner, because where's that going to come from? Is it going to come from the people you're hiring? No, you're the one who took on the risk. It's always going to have to start with, with, and that's just leadership. It's always going to have to start with great leadership. And that leadership is signaling to your staff through your actions that, hey, I trust you. I want you to stay around. And here's the proof. Here's the proof. And, and it's in valuing their time, which is a non-renewable asset and one of the few things that we truly own. Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized, and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio. And we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, we are answering another viewer, listener submitted question. And the question is, do you think I should pay my teachers to come to meetings, even virtual teachers or virtual meetings? So this is the premise of the podcast. And uh, Nate, I have to tell you, when I saw you put this in our episode list, Mm. 100% transparency, I thought, wait, why would we talk about that? And then when we had a conversation about it, I, I guess I didn't realize that this is a question that you once struggled with and that larger school owners struggle with. It's not one that I've really heard before. But when we got to speaking about it, I just realized how deep the rabbit hole goes when it comes to this topic. So you're the one who put this on our episode list. I'm curious, what are your thoughts about, uh, about this question? Why, why was this one so poignant for you? So for one reason, I bumped it to the top because it's coming from someone I know well who I've, I've admired their work for a long time. But also, like you said, um, Daniel, we just we used to really struggle with this at the factory, and I think hmm. when I was like, "How is it possible that I don't I don't even pause anymore when I think should we pay teachers for time, i.e., a meeting? Of course, you need to you need to um, pay teachers for time. You need to pay anyone for their time, or you need to you need to you need to uh, exchange something of value because they're giving you something of value, which is their time. There's nothing more valuable than time. Um, hmm. As we all know, right? So when I when we're talking about do we pay for a meeting, what we're really asking is um, what what is the investment in the people in our school, and hmm. what's the return that I, as the person who's going to write the check from my bank account, what's the return I need to get on that investment? And when we so sorry dot 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 when we talk about a meeting. Generally, what I hear in that question is, I actually have no clarity on the value of that meeting. And so I'm not sure what the return should be. Yes. Well, podcast over, everyone. That's it. That's the answer. <laughs> yes, you should pay them. Yes, you, yes, you should definitely pay them. Yes, actually, I was actually thinking of starting this where, hey, Nate, let's answer on three. One, two, three. What, and we would both say yes. But 
<laughs> right. Uh, not, not to not to simply just kind of add my little hey me too story, but the first time I hired someone, um, I insisted that the meetings wouldn't be paid. And not long after, and I really respect this person for doing it because they were younger than me. Uh, you know, they were uh, a worker that was only was working less than part time for me, and they said, "Actually, I think the meeting should be paid." And I actually went back to a mentor and said, do you think so? And she said, yes, you absolutely should. Yeah. And I had to begin in my mind justifying, well, why is that the case? Because, and I think, I think there's some natural objections that people come up with when, when they think about it. I can start with one, but I'm sure you have some as well. But I think that um, a logical one that I think that everyone says is, well, how can we afford to add yet another expense? To our, to our list of, you know, to to the list of expenses that we already have for this business. I I think that's a big one. Um, Did you, did you ever experience that as a uh, internal objection to paying your team, especially when you've got maybe like 10 team members in a meeting, you know? Hell yeah. It's such a great, I used to announce at our, for example, we, for a few years, I was running the advanced band department and I would open the meeting. There would be seven or eight of us in there they would be getting paid whatever, you know, whatever they were, their hourly rate was to show up to that meeting. And I'd say, listen, guys, we have an amazing opportunity here. The, the, the cost of our time for the next hour is about $480. We're, we're investing $480 into the future of this department. Let's make sure we get the return on that $480. What are we going to achieve over the next 60 minutes in this meeting that is going to make us say, man, we would have much rather done this meeting than, for example, bought a fancy new amp for our advanced band department room, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. so I just said it out loud. I was like, look, this is what it costs us to have this. We're at an all-staff meeting. We'll have our all-staff meeting um, tomorrow. It's the first first Friday of the month. We have our all-staff meeting. That's a, you know, I don't know, that's like a $700 meeting, $800 meeting for the time to get everyone together. So when we put together that, uh, when we think about that, I'm like, dude, I'm nervous. I'm like, that's 800 bucks. Man, we could spend that on a whole host of other investments in the company, right? Yeah. Another point that uh, I think resistance around paying teachers is you really want them to actually be the motivated ones to say, they, you want them to come to you with their five great ideas on how to improve um private lessons or your group classes at your school. And so you're frustrated because they're not coming to you with that. And so then you're like, ah, why should I even pay for a meeting? Because they're not even excited. Right. I think a corollary of that, something that I've seen is, and I think there's a, I think the problem in and of itself lends to a solution is that it was frustrating to ask for ideas. And then for the response I get back to be, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or I felt the quality of the ideas weren't all that good. I felt that people, I even got a palpable sense that people felt a little bit awkward. Yes. And it's possible that a meeting schedule like this might start out that way. Mm. But then that actually leads to really what this is all pointing back to, in my opinion. I think we're going to probably get to that here in a few minutes, but just to maybe tease it a little bit is that all that all that that meeting will do if your team isn't prepared or you haven't adequate given them adequate resources or training to be the kinds of people that can contribute in a meeting like that 
it's going to expose that and expose a deeper underlying problem mm. that I think we we suddenly we suddenly resist it. In the same way that when we talked about annual planning, people resist annual planning because they know in the past they've written that annual plan and then it's just sat in a drawer for an entire year yeah. and they brush the dust off a year later. Oh, this is what we were going to try to do last year. It all feels so idealistic. Well, let me write my new one. But no one does that for very long. Similarly, mm-hmm. if you have this experience of these meetings being not all that satisfying, yes, then I'm sure you're not going to be all that motivated to do it. So maybe, well, <laughs> Nate, how can, we, how can we draw the best out of our staff in, in, in these meetings? Yeah, it's such a good question. And just to highlight your last comment, you said if you haven't had good experiences in meetings, that's on both sides. That's the mm. person who's trying to run the meeting, the studio owner, and the teachers that have shown up. Both of you are like a little bit gun shy now because you've had a whole host of meetings that kind of sucked. In fact, um, we did our we we did a book episode recently. I'm going to add a book to the list right now. Um, meetings that don't suck. It's a great book. Oh, I that's up, actually a real book. That's actually a real book. <laughs> so, anyways, jot that down now. Go check it out. Sorry, I don't have the author handy, uh, but maybe we can throw it in the show notes. Um, so, yeah, I think that I mean. I think the key here is really around what's what's the outcome that you need, right? What would define a meeting that you'd say, I'm grateful that I invested $200 into that time, right? That was a great investment. And as my friend said, you want to really see more return on the investment than consistently invest, right? Say, mm. hey, we have a meeting first Monday of every month. Okay. And then, and the, and you're increasing the odds that you will so, get a return on that. So, so before we jump into a specific example, perhaps yeah. um, it sounds like what you're saying is that you simply need to define the outcomes of of the meeting you're going into. Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, I'm saying first of all, a meeting can serve a boatloads of purposes, but lots mm. of different purposes, right? So, you as the studio owner need to decide what is the real critical issue right now that I need, for example, in this question, the teachers to show up to help us solve. Because you're not solving everything. Like you're not, for example, putting together a a recital program or a gig that's going to be 10x better than last season's while also improving your piano curriculum, while also improving um, teacher retention through just one like coaching and listening. Like you're not going to do all those things. So you as the owner need to start by saying, okay, well, what's the real critical issue right now, this quarter, this year? And so start there. And from there, dude, you get to your point, which is like, oh, you know the outcome or you know the single issue you're going to focus on. Then you can begin to build an agenda, which leads to a compelling case for the teachers to want to show up. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. I, I hear you. And what's becoming so crystal clear to me is that this all flows out of 
there's there's a logical order here hmm. because I was listening to that I, idealistic, unrealistic agenda there. Oh, we're going to solve this and this and this and this and this. Well, of course, that's not going to be that productive a meeting. But how do you even know what to focus on? Oh, well, interesting. About five episodes back, right. we talked about how to build an annual plan. But here's the thing, even with that, and, and this is where I think it can begin to feel really overwhelming for music, for music school owners, is that in, 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 in the problem of the annual plan, in the macro, in the micro, it shows up, I don't even know what this meeting should be about. Well, if you have a very clearly defined goal for the year, mm-hmm. it becomes very evident what those meetings should be about. And who knows, maybe one of the top things that should be on your annual plan for the year is developing your staff so they are better contributors to the business. Like that could be... For a studio owner, that could be their greatest point of leverage at any given point. Um, and I think I think we're going to actually talk about that in just a second. But there's something I would like to add here. Yeah, fire. Uh, just as maybe um, a hack or a pro tip or, or that sort of thing. I don't. I don't think anyone should ever have to reinvent the wheel. And I certainly don't want to reinvent the wheel. No. And so when when I took some coaching and mentoring from a uh, corporate recruiter on, so this person had hired hundreds or thousands of people for like a billion dollar company. And then she went out on her own and, and, and had her own consulting practice and got to work with her almost five years ago. Now she gave me a template for a good meeting. And Nate, actually, when we meet with our, our team for seven figure music school, we use that template, <laughs> you know? Um, Love it. And, and so I, I like it when I can find something from an expert that, that allows me to focus on the most important thing to keep the main thing, the main thing to use a little bit of a cliched free phrase. Like I, cause otherwise I just go, okay, we're going to have a meeting guys. And I guess we'll talk about this and this, and it could seem like a small thing. Like, Oh, did you really need to get, you know, a PDF from her and how to, what, what a great meeting agenda looks like? Well, no, I guess I didn't, but, gosh, it was sure helpful not to have to think through that. And then to have her explain why she ran that meeting in that way, she actually transferred values and valuable wisdom to me, even as to why she organized it that way, which that's really what I learned from. It really wasn't about the template. It's why she thought it was so important. It was so valuable. And um, I mean, I don't know. We always say we should do a podcast episode on that. Like we literally probably could do a podcast on how to run a meeting a great way. That's not what this one's about. (laughs) Um, And I don't know how popular that would be, but but I just wanted to add that in there that if you can find something that works for you, preferably from someone who knows what they're doing, uh, it, it can save you the, the brain drain or the creative drain of having to invent yet another thing for the school. You know, just go out there, find, yeah. find it. So, um, so getting, getting back to it. So deciding your outcomes, deciding on what your priorities should be seems like a really smart move. Um, can you think of an example of this, Nate? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've been working with a great school owner who's, you know, he's knocking on the seven-figure door right now. He's crushing in so many ways. Um, really, he's a classic marketing and sales guy, a classic sales guy, honestly. Just really, really strong in the pitch and the close. Right, yeah, I think um, I think we even referenced him in a recent episode. Um, we talked about his December numbers. He they had thirty one people contact their school, and he got thirty of them to sign up. Those are really um, good numbers, yeah. especially especially at a school of that size. Again, yeah. that's really really high six figures, almost seven. Right. However, 
he's a classic example of someone who is totally frustrated by his team or lack mm. of team, investment from team, staff retention, or doesn't really know the staff, no, doesn't even know how to uh, really ask for help from staff in an effective way. And so he he honestly has been a fascinating um, project for us, right? Really, really rewarding um, around this idea of how to create meetings that are highly effective and that have a massive return on investment. So hmm. there's a few things that I think you know we've come away with. Um, first of all, we introduced him to this concept that we call the what's next meeting, right? Hmm. It's a basic um, format. We, you know, we have a bunch of different sort of meeting formats that, that we like to share around building team. And this is, I, we call it the what's next, right? And essentially, um, we talked to the studio owner. We said, like, look, you're not solving all your issues first. Let's pick one single issue. For him, the single issue was, hey, I need facility support and I need um, some basic support around uh, the hiring funnel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, started, something he wanted to get off his plate, something yes. that really wasn't worth his time, something that was keeping him from you know, being in his zone of genius, which clearly is <laughs> closing, uh, growing the enrollment of the school. So yeah. Um, and that's a great, that is a really essential point too. Cause yeah. um, one of the re resistance points we all have around investing in uh, meetings, like paying money for meetings is we're devaluing delegation. We're thinking, oh, like this is just a low value task. I need to get somebody else to do it. I really don't want to waste my time meeting with someone because it's going to take forever to teach them how to do it. And da, da, da. So right away, you need to change your mindset. And you'd be like, actually, mm. and you put it so beautifully, Daniel, you're like, we need you as a studio owner to stay in your zone of genius. You need to stay in your lane and do what you do really well while valuing all of the other members of your team that are going to help you stay there. Right, so this meeting is one micro example of how we do it. Um, so a couple of things that he's done really well is he started small, kept being like, "Okay, who's next? What's next? What are we gonna do?" I'm like, "No, dude, you need to consistently show up. That you can show up prepared for this meeting every single week. You can give him an agenda in advance. You can say, "Look, you're you can you can celebrate his successes from the last seven days, and then set clear targets for the next seven days." Yeah. And eventually he was ready to add a second meeting with a second team member. Mm. Yeah. Uh, um, let's just call this person John. Okay, uh, Johnny. That's, yeah, that's working for him. What was John's particular role? Like, why did he need to be having a weekly meeting yeah, with yeah, our great, client? Great question. John was a classic teacher who wanted more. Mm. The teacher who came to the table, and I think he started as a drum teacher, maybe. Um, and but was was asking questions, was interested. He'd be like, oh, I'll stay around and clean it. I'll close up the facility. I'll close up the school at night. And so he just was someone who was hungry. He frank, it could have been simply he just needed the work. But he was showing glimmers of interest and 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 he was asking a couple of questions and he was looking for more investment. Um, he wasn't saying, Hey, I'd love to come to a meeting. Back to our original question. He was just asking questions. So I'm sure everybody listening has someone in their school right now who's a teacher who's like, hey, it'd be cool if we did this. And they're basically saying, I'm interested in, in engaging more. Mm -hmm. um, so look for those signs, right? So this was a drum teacher who was interested in engaging more. And 
what do we call him? We called him John. Okay, so John, um, what we did was we put together a meeting. We started small just with John and we said, okay, what are some of the, let's just make our list of, of the not to-do list. Remember going back to the annual planning episode, go back and visit your not to-do list and let's find out a couple of opportunities where John can step in. Hmm. And so just to get clarity again, you're not saying, John, come take all this from me. You're saying, listen, as an owner, I'm looking at my not to-do list. I'm saying it's worth investing in finding somebody else who's going to do it not only as well as me, but better than me. And I'm ready and willing to invest some of my income into that. What do you think the resistance point is there that you know people listening might identify with? Like what? Because we've again, that's very simple. Okay, set a consistent meeting. Uh, make sure your outcomes are clear. Uh, um, mm. it, it all seems so simplistic. Why was this so hard to get going? This might be a good lead into what the deeper issue is here with this question. Yeah, the deeper issue is. Well, the resistance is everybody hates chaos. They're already existing in chaos right now. And they think they're going to have a few meetings and it's going to go well for a little bit. And then they're going to be right back where they started. For example, um, you know, this John's going to be interested for a month and then leave. And then that's the fear. That's the fear. You'll just be saddled with the issue again. Another classic one that I hear all the time from studio owners. I even hear it sometimes internally in my team. Well, I don't want to train this person how to do this thing and invest the time because it just takes, it's like, it's just easy for me to, let me, I can just get it done in five minutes. Why invest a 30 minute meeting every week in, in delegating? This is a classic example of what we see in social media where the problem itself prevents removal of the problem. In mm-hmm. other words, the, the dopamine rush of constantly scrolling social media actually undercuts the self-control that you need to quit social media. Yeah. In the same way, not investing in your staff is the thing that causes them to leave. Yes. And so if you're not willing, if you're not willing to invest in the team, well, if your worst nightmare is going to come true. Yes. So there has to be a little bit of faith on, on the part of a business owner because where's that going to come from? Is it going to come from the people you're hiring? No, you're the one who took on the risk. It's always yeah. going to have to start with, with, and that's just leadership. It's always going to have to start with great leadership. And that leadership is signaling to your staff through your actions that, hey, I trust you. I want you to stay around. And here's the proof. Here's the proof. And, and it's in valuing their time, which is a non-renewable asset Mm. And one of the few things that we truly own. Yeah, I I love the way you frame that, dude, because it is, they, everybody, just think about all the people in your life that you care about, that you love. They all need proof from you in your actions. I mean, if you're a parent, just start with how you're showing up to your kids. You know, we talk about that, Daniel. It's just like, I mean, it's so anyways, it's just a really, really, you're hitting it right on the head in terms of the long-term value of that investment. Um, And let me just highlight a couple of other things that we've seen in our work with um, music school owners that keeps them from doing this. One is that they're not actually very clear on where they're bringing the most value themselves, right? A lot, I think, you know, in working with you, Daniel, a lot of the Benefits for me have been watching how you coach these school owners to get them to actually 
uh, talk more than they might be comfortable with around themselves and where they where they they you know some of the imposter syndrome syndrome issues they have and then where they really feel passionate and you're like wait a minute that area you're you're really pass you're a curriculum person mm. you're finding passion there this is where we need to explore that what do we need to delegate to others so that you can explore that more i think there's a little bit of magical thinking that goes on as we learn to become better business owners and that, and again, this is a very dubious topic, like a meeting. Why are we making a podcast about this? But it really is about this deeper level that you just talked about there, what I was referring to earlier, but that desire isn't inappropriate. It's just ill-timed. Here's what I mean. Hmm. I actually can go to my team now and say, Hey, will you fix this problem for me? And not even have to have a meeting about it. This has probably happened twice this week right. where I just emailed someone and said, capital letters, forward them email, fix this. Not rude. They're used to this. Um, and there's a lot of relational capital there that it's almost a joke. You're right. <laughs> Here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with wanting that. The problem is, is when you expect it to happen right away. And the reason I've gotten to the place where I can do that with my team is because for one of these team members, I've had a weekly meeting with her for almost four years now. Yes. Who I can do this with. She understands how I think. If you want to build a bunch of mini me's running around, this is the way to start it. But in reality, we don't even want that. What we actually want is an independent thinker who has been influenced by us. So the idea of a mini me, a mini Daniel or a mini Nate or a mini, you know, put your name in there. You can get there, but it's actually possible to go far beyond that. But hoping that it happens now is a little bit like putting a seed in the ground and then the next day going out and yelling at your flower bed and saying, hey, grow, would you please? Like, why aren't you, why aren't you a full grown plant yet? <laughs> it's just unrealistic. But the way to get there is through this process because this, this episode really wasn't about a meeting. It's really just about investment and team. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please, share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.